I am unashamed. What about you? So I was uh, planning on being in studio today, and um, mm-hmm. but I basically came back down here to my southern lair because Lisa um, was taking her real estate test yesterday. She's been studying for about three months. And, you know, when you're trying, you get in your 50s and you basically go back to school, which is what she's been doing, but she's been doing it online. You know, you just don't know that you got it anymore, you know, because we can't even hardly remember what we had for breakfast yesterday. So she's been like really into it. And so I've been trying to be like super supportive. And so basically I came back instead of staying to do the podcast and do it down here because she needed an emotional support animal, which Hmm. is, you know, you see a lot of guys, military, PTSD, they need emotional support animal to help them function. Well, basically that's what I am. I am Lisa's. Uh, emotional support animal. So I came down here. She passed the test. She had to make at least a 70. Most people fail it the first time we found out. And if they do pass it, they just barely pass a lot of math involved. I didn't, mm-hmm. I was shocked. I, mean, I, I real think Al may, show a house. Al may be getting into the yuppie. I mean, that sounds like a definition <laughs> of some kind of yuppie behavior. You go from well, the he... king of the castle to the emotional, what'd you call it? Spirit animal. <laughs> He has emotional support out of yeah, He has one verse that pretty well speaks highly of the particular movie now is I mean the his role being an emotional support animal is that in Romans twelve, a man should not think more highly of himself than he ought. Yeah. That that <laughs> he's, right. he's fulfilling I, that text. I'm just a dog. I'm just a dog. But Al, you're being godly incorrect because <laughs> we're actually humans. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. well, we go. are, and I still have my human role, but I just understood that she needed that to help her get through the process. So I was really proud of her. She did awesome. She studied hard. She made a 79 on it, I think. And so she, she passed with flying colors. So now she can uh, sell well, houses and make some money. And I'm, what was the best yeah. you could score out of a hundred? Well, a hundred. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That, that, but I'm, te- I'm telling you, most people that take it the first time, they fail it. Strong so. C-plus mind. That's good. Well, it's like my driver yeah. uh, test taker, whatever that person is. You know, the, I went and took my driving test the first time, which I failed. And I failed the written. You failed it? I failed it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a good student, Phil. And so the the streets were safe, you know, for a while. So then I go back and I pass it barely. And then I fail the driving part because I sped twice. She yeah, said, they got me because they said when you're coming off of a, well, you call it going on to the interstate where you, yeah. you're coming. They said, should you <laughs> get, go as fast as they are on the interstate I, when you're on the ramp? I missed it, too. Well, uh, they said, or, or do, do you just blend in to the traffic and speed on in there? Well, then there was a couple so other said, choices. I no, said, you, you, you're careful there, but you don't want to get up to 70 miles an hour. Yeah, right. Coming off that sharp curve going out there. Wrong. I said, no, I'm not doing 70. They yeah. said, oh, wrong, or oh, you're wrong. I said, oh, no. no. I said, what? I don't care what that test, whoever made that test. You've I hit, said, I'm not hitting that thing at 70 miles an hour. You've hit a nerve here. You've hit a nerve. Because yeah. my wife, she screams at me every time we get on interstate because that's the only place on the highways in the world in that moment, you can go n- full NASCAR. Yeah. And so I just that's floor right. it every that's time. Right. 
Everybody gets shifted because I just hit it, and I'm like, I'm following the law. I'm a law-abiding citizen. Right. And I'm I thinking, what if they're the bumper floor. to bumper when I get on the interstate? Right for nope. if they're bumper to bumper, there's not a spot if I'm come tearing out of that 70 miles an hour. I said, I'm, I'm playing a little <laughs> caution. They said, wrong. You, wrong. you missed that yeah, one. I missed that too, but they'll move. And so the second time, all right, so then the third time, I – I had to take the. I said I got to take the written too. I've already passed it. They're like, nope, you got to take it again. So I took it again and passed the driving. But I noticed that I only passed. It was like the minimum amount. If I'd have missed one more question, I'd have failed. And she said, "I don't feel real safe because you you barely passed." And and we had a little conversation. Of course, I was you know, sixteen years old. I was like, "But I did." She said, yeah, I know, but you barely <laughs> did. So it wasn't a ringing endorsement. She was like, you're not a real safe driver because you missed the maximum amount that you could miss to pass. It's like, well, you need to try to change the test. <laughs> I mean, if you have, <laughs> I passed. <laughs> so I'll figure it out. I'll be all right. Let's face it, at 15 and 16, it was 15 for me, how much you can you really know? I mean, the book teaches you so much, and then you drive around, you know, downtown West Monroe with this guy, you know, that's not really real because you're right. You want to do some real testing. You get out there and get on I-20 at the I-20 bridge. Mm. Now, that's some NASCAR, you know. Well, I mean, that's the real plus, deal. But you have to learn that by experience. I had to do the test. The, the average mile per hour speed limit was 20 or 25. Well, and when yeah. she said, when I said I was speeding, you're like, because like my daughter the other day said, Dad, you sped. We were talking about this. I was like, I went one mile per hour over. I was like, in your driving test, <laughs> 26 and a 25, boom, hammer's coming down. They, there is no grace, zero. It's hard for a redneck to be legal when it comes to driving. I've never thought about that, Phil. That's right. I don't really know what that means, but but if we're not smart enough to be driving, that's oh. what they're saying. Do you agree with that? And I don't drive much, so they pretty well whoop me. <laughs> Boy, this is. I thought it was self-deprecating humor, but I just think it's just self-deprecating. It's hard minus to, the humor. It's hard to be a redneck and survive in this culture. Hard yeah, hard to well, be you a ought redneck. to go to one of these big cities. When I go through Austin, tell me about it. Completely different story. Yep, I'm acting like I'm getting on the interstate the whole time. I, I every time I, I haven't been in a city a long time driving, but every time I'm there, I'm thinking these people are going too fast. Yeah, they are. I agree with that. It just seems like yeah. it's too fast. But they do. Jace was right. They do get out of the way. They get and out of that's the way. A, they all know that's that. That's the only thing I'm, you have a I'm sure person. I love it. I love getting on the interstate. And I helped my daughter when she was taking her test. I said, look, this is the only thing in life that it's the law is just to go crazy. Yeah. I said, you punch it <laughs> and you come out and it, they don't get out of the way. Guess what? You'll never know about it. That's why we have the resurrection. Way more important to be focused on that. <laughs> I'm not quite sure about that logic, Jay's, but I mean. <laughs> you should see me do it. When so, I get on it, I'm coming. I just hope I'm not in the back seat with you driving. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm coming wide <laughs> open. I know it. Everything I got. And I have the test. You don't prove. rattle out with Jay's, do you? 
<laughs> so, no. Jace, uh, you told me uh, before we got on that that uh, Missy has been listening to the podcast, which I always thought was funny because Missy was on the podcast and yeah. you were squirming, which I thought I found very uh, entertaining. Well, I've, but uh, she, so what's she what's she say, what's she saying about her podcast? Here's the problem. Is she a thumbs here's, up. Here's, she, here's the problem. Let me let me tell you what the problem is, and I'm sure she'll listen to this, and we'll have to talk later. But what I keep telling <laughs> her is, look, the Bible is true. Is it? It's a true story. Yep. We all agree on that. But we're commentating on the Bible. So what we're saying is based on a true story. So when I intervene, there is a possibility because, look, it's not just driving that offers challenges. I I don't have the capacity to remember the exact details after about an hour. So if you start going back in time, you go back six months. To, so what, when I'm telling stories, as we're talking about the true story, there is a high probability that I may get one little detail wrong. It's the only thing I really agree with Sai about other than Jesus is that now Sai says 95 and 5, but his is more, the, I, I don't agree with his percentage, but it's based on a true story, but some of Sai's stories, I'm not sure they're really based on at one time because, you know, he's got the metaphysical acts and laws of gravity being defied in the story. I'm like, well, this is no longer based on a true story. That's right. Once you're doing things that are miraculous. So I Just said, remember, all, Jay, Sai blows a lot of smoke. Yeah. So I said all that to say that we have that because she, she doesn't feel comfortable about telling a story unless she knows all the facts or she declares that she doesn't remember the exact detail. So it makes me nervous when she listens to it because I'm like, there's probably a high probability as many shows as we do it, that I got some story wrong, but it was based on a true story. So it makes me nervous. But she And if it spices the story up, then all the better. That's kind of the robbers and way. Well, right? she thinks that I'm only doing it getting the facts wrong to spice the story up, but I'm like, no. I'm I'm actually trying to, you know, tell the truth. So it <laughs> makes me so nervous. You'll know. But she likes the podcast, which is I'm shocked every time because she said I listened to it all the way over here. And I was like, Oh boy, I just sit down and she's like, It was good. Yeah, well, okay. all right. uh, we all stumble in many ways, Jace, according to James. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. So I just thought I'd throw that in for whatever, whatever you're thinking there. We all stumble like in many that. ways. That's pretty good. Yeah, we do. And, and we need grace, which, look, we're in, I mean, we're doing these stories in narrative form that we read and are inspiring, and we're in Acts 14 and 15. But, I mean, if I just read this story, because a lot of people out here who don't believe, if they happen to listen to our podcast for the first time and you read a story that, you know, Paul comes up there preaching, they're like, we're fixed to kill you. They stone him, which back in those days, that was something they were pretty sure Okay, he's dead, you know, or or yep. in no condition to be getting up and walking yeah, around. He's not moving. They drag him out of the city. They're like, okay, that's all that. Then up, oh, he's back. How long did he recover? 
10 seconds. Well, it says, so Jay's, it was in uh, actually fourteen nineteen. It says they stoned Paul, dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. So, yeah. I mean, not only did they stoned him, they dragged him out with his, what they're thinking is a dead body. Maybe it was. And it says in verse 20 here, I love this one. It just says this like this. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. Next day he went and found Barnabas. So we're interjecting. If you put two and two together, that story, I would say something happened at the gathering. Something happened. Now, some people would say, oh, no, he wasn't really dead. It's kind of the same mm-hmm. thing with Jesus. He was just passed out, and then, you know, he came too. But every time we read something like this, because you were right, Jess, these guys know how to kill people. Remember yeah. Stephen, uh, who who Paul, ironically, was overseeing his death? Uh, he didn't come back. He went on to heaven, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you had God directly working through these guys in a miraculous way to confirm their message. That's Hebrews 2. I mean, <laughs> Miracles, signs, and wonders. And you get the full explanation on why they were occurring to confirm the message. They're like, Jesus is Lord. They're like, no, he's not. We're going to kill you. They kill him. And then they look up and he's back. He said, I told you that Jesus is Lord. And you're like, well, maybe he is. That, that, that's it. <laughs> that's it. That, that's Pretty all you need that's to exactly know. Right. That would do Pretty it for close. me. I'm, I'm and- in. You're like, well, does he still do it today? <laughs> I mean, we have the stories. I'm not going to say he's not. Because he can do whatever he wants to. That's but, right, I mean, right. I have this same story. You're still going to have to put some faith and trust in this. And faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. But I think when Paul wrote in Romans that anybody should be able to look around and base on what they see as far as the creation and deduct, there is a God. I look at the earth's going around the sun Sixty-seven thousand whatever miles an hour takes three hundred sixty-five days to get around the sun one trip. Then you're back where you started. It's turning at you know every twenty-four hours. It makes a complete turn. Half of it's dark, half of it's daylight. It works with such precision. When I read about somebody that death couldn't hold, I'm saying the one who put this cosmos into existence. And the precision at, at how it works, there's nothing. There's death is no nothing can stop him. Nothing. Well, I think what should acute a Hang man. Hang on, Jace. Let's take a break. So one of our uh, oldest and longest sponsors of Unashamed is a company called Keeps. Uh, and we talk quite a bit about them because basically they're trying to get people to keep their hair, which I thought about it. Poor Dan, dad, if we could have just gotten him to keeps, um, you know, a few years ago, uh, he, he might not be quite as bald as he is today. He might could have kept some of that hair. You think? Yeah. yeah he looks like a, one of these rock and roll drummers, you know, but the, all he needs shades. <laughs> I, I wasn't aware. Lose I wasn't it aware. Shave off the rest of it. I wasn't aware that that fit into the drummer category, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so this uh, this company basically helps you keep your hair. Uh, you go online. Uh, you got some questions. You they send you a few, you send them a few pictures of your hair, uh, and then they're going to put you in touch with a doctor, make sure everything's good for you. So if you want to get, try these guys out, hold on to some hair. It's keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash door. You get 50% off your first order. That's keeps.com 
slash door, 50% off your first order and hang on to your hair. What should have cued him in is when he just got through talking about in the previous chapter that the difference in Jesus's death and everyone else, animals included, his body didn't see decay. I mean, you're saying I thought about that like in from a hunting situation, you know, you yep, or you're out in the woods and you go up and you run up on a decaying body and you say, yep, it's dead. If you die and your body doesn't decay, that this is the person who you need to get hooked up with. Because he's got controls of the atomic structure, the molecular structure of matter. Yeah. The one who's got control of that, and we know they're there. We've never seen an atom, but we know they're there. You know, you're proton, neutron, you're power. You're like, you get whoever dreamed that up and's got control of that, the Bible says God did, go with him. But it when is, it comes to physical yeah. death, being stoned, hung, whatever. I yeah. Mean, I mean, it is, it is crazy because somebody will listen to side stories and they're like, this is, I think people think the same thing about the Bible. I mean, a fish swallowing. I'm, I've had that argument thrown to me in Bible studies more than any other. I mean, you actually think there's fish out there eating people and then you live to tell about it. Like why pick that one? How about the body not decaying? Let's go down that. (laughs) But you know, to dad's point, um, you know, it's uh, you, you mentioned this on the last podcast, Jay's from Acts 17, that God sets the time and places and so obviously he wasn't ready for Paul yet because he had more things for Paul to do. So mm-hmm. they either killed him and he brought him back or they didn't quite kill him and he came back. But either way, it wasn't his time yet. Whereas in Stephen's case, it was his time. I mean, the the to, to for the church to go forward, for everything to happen, God said, you know what? I'm just going to welcome you home. And I think there's a lot of encouragement for our audience out there because, you know, somebody would get cancer, somebody would get sick. Somebody's parent, you know, something happens with their child and they're just like, I just don't understand why this is happening. But you got to understand God holds it is a believer. God holds everything in his time, in his place. And if it's your time to go home, you go home. If it's your time to do more, you do more. I think ultimately you have to trust that much. Because Paul, I mean, he gets up off the ground and goes right back into work. Humans Mm -hmm. tend to view physical death. And I guess because they don't see the individual anymore, but we tend to view physical death as the end. And so we use terms right. like they passed away. We lost our, they are, they, mm. they've died. But the, the Peter, he said he viewed physical death as a departure. I feel a lot better yeah. about what Peter and the apostle Paul said in second Corinthians five, five. Uh, yeah. When he talks about, you know, we, we live in this tent of the body and then we got a eternal house coming and you start reading those texts. You say, good night. That's why Jesus said, you, you live and believe in me. You'll never die. Yeah. You'll never die. You'll depart. Right. But, but departing sounds a lot better to me, Al, than a demise, meaning you are gone. Yeah. 
We lost you. No. You're moving to the home office. Didn't Paul say in Philippians, was it Philippians where he said, look, it, it would be bad for me personally. I would rather go on and be with the Lord. I mean, I, I'm ready to go. I feel like I've done what I can do here. I mean, I'd rather be with Jesus now. But he said, but for your sake, you know, I'm going to stay on and do what God's calling me to do. And of course, you know, he's getting beat up and flogged and stoned in every town he's in. I mean, I can imagine I'd be like, you know what? I, I, I'm ready to go. Uh, but he said, I'm, I'm going to stay because it's better for the church if I'm still here. And what he was saying was, I trust in God to set my time in place. Yeah. Well, why, so, should, why should any of you, the Apostle Paul to a, a big dog or Agrippa, why should any of you, we mentioned this last week, consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I mean, if, if he built the cosmos, I mean, and he's the author of life, why would you get all bent out of shape by just believing there's life beyond the grave, you know? So yeah. that's where that's right. I am. I'm looking at it. I'm like, you know what? Uh, they dreamed this story up, and, and they keep repeating it over and over and over and over, the resurrection of the dead. I mean, to me, it's more ludicrous for, you know, when you share this, people are like, well, these are the craziest stories coming back from the dead. But when you see humans in real life, to me, it's way more outlandishly stupid for some of the principles they apply like a warranty for something you know they're like they're selling you a product you pay the money whatever it is you know you buy a tv thousand bucks they're like no it's not over because we'll give you a, an extended warranty you're like well how much does that cost and it ain't cheap so they're trying to guarantee that the lifespan uh, of this product, you know? And you're like, well, <laughs> if it's going to tear up, I don't want it. But these are the conversations I have. Because I, I have, all you're trying to do is get me money on an incredible lie. Because they're like, well, what about a lifetime warranty? You know, and it's like $50,000. I'm like, okay, so I give you this money and then I die. But I still can get this TV, and meanwhile, two years later, you came up with another one that's better, but, oh, I have a lifetime warranty. I could buy 30 TVs. I mean, y'all, y'all, you, you see what I mean? I'm looking at them like, this is the dumbest thing, because you're trying to use decay as a way to monetize your bank account. And so I'm paying you for this assurance when let's just be honest, this is a piece of junk and it's going to tear up and you're trying to get way more money <laughs> with some kind of guarantee. That's incredible. It, it's not going to work. You know, I've had them say, look, this thing has a surge protector. Cause we just, we recently bought some TVs. This thing has a surge protector where if your apartment, which I took offense to that. I mean, I have a house, but I don't look at that. <laughs> blows up it will be fine and i'm like okay let me get this right if my house blows up do you think i'm worried about this tv <laughs> but i'm saying they will tell incredible stories to get more money for a guarantee 
that this won't tear up when we all know the lifespan of them is about six months. I view the whole, I view the whole, I view the whole thing, TVs and all, I view the whole thing as bowing to Jesus after I read about what he had to say and what he did, what he's now doing, what he will do. I've checked him out. I'm literally, my insurance depends on Jesus, him crucified and raised from the dead. I consider that the greatest insurance policy of all time. And the remarkable thing about it is free. That's why I follow Jesus. Yeah, exactly. You could say the same thing about that's about, you know, how how long something lasts. You're applying the resurrection because everywhere they're going, they're preaching grace, which is forgiveness. And they're talking about the resurrection. And your famous Look, line is, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm mm-hmm. looking at that. I said, that's an insurance policy there. Yeah. And what I'm saying is you rent a car, they make you look at it. I mean, it's not like, because I had to do it, you know. And you're looking at every little dent and speck and paint chip. Because if you bring it back and you read the consequences for any mistake, Oh, you're paying out the nose. And so you're inspecting this thing. Well, bring that, you know, go go do some bumping and grinding, getting on the interstate, swap some paint in a rental car, and then go back and turn it in. I'm going to tell you, the last thing you're going to get is grace. Yeah. You're like, well, okay, I had a little bump, you know. No, you're fixed to pay 10 up. times the amount that you originally paid. I got in the, what, the old white hang, truck. Hang on, Dad. Hang on, Dad. Let's, let's take a break. So I'm excited about uh, a new sponsor for our podcast. Uh, they're called Faithful Counseling. And, um, you know, I, I am a big believer in faith-based counseling. There's a lot of kind of wonky stuff out there, but these guys, I, I checked them out. Uh, they definitely come at things from a, a faith perspective. Uh, and, you know, basically, I mean, Lisa and I, we had to have counseling at one point in our life. I mean, I had a lot of people around me that helped me. All three of us have counseled people before and tried to help them just as lay counselors. Uh, but you know, we needed somebody that really knew what they were doing and understood. And so basically that's what helped us, uh, to be able to, to work on our marriage. So, uh, if, if our listeners out there, you got issues, uh, this is online counseling. Uh, anything you share is confidential. Uh, you know, they let you switch a counselor if for some reason you don't connect with them. Uh, there's text, there's chat, there's phone, there's video. Uh, so they can really help you. It's affordable. And uh, sometimes you just need some help. And so I, I'm excited that these guys are our sponsors. Uh, so if you want to check them out, if you have some needs, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed you'll fill out a questionnaire uh they'll assess your needs and they'll match you with a counselor so uh if you're in need check these guys out i got into the old white truck yesterday i said uh-oh didn't hit a leg engine is turning over well i thought that was a turnover like it was running no no this was just nothing <laughs> the engine's turning over. The batteries are hot, but the vehicle will not crank. Oh, it's not ignited. Will not crank. And I saw, I shut the door. I said, Dan, I said, get a wrecker down here. 
And I said, I think my fuel pump went out. I said, not getting fuel. I said, call, call, get, get get the thing, drag it back up there to a place. So he goes, a man, he made about eight o'clock the next morning, looked up, there's a wrecker right there. They dragged the old white truck off. Six years, never failed to crank. Six years, not once did it ever fail to crank until yesterday. Wouldn't crank. He sent the message this morning. He said, tell Phil, the mechanic, he said, tell Phil, fuel pump went out. I said, that's what I thought. He said, I'll have it to him in a couple of days. Rock on. So it wasn't pay out the nose. Just put a fuel pump on it, Jason. Rock on. Well, that's kind of like <laughs> well, but You own the truck. I'm saying if you rent a vehicle, they're going to try to come up. My whole point is the world takes advantage of any mistake in any way. That is correct. Like if you want to rent a car, they're like, here it is. If you change it whatsoever, you're going to pay five times what you originally paid. That ain't that's just half of it. The rest of that story is <coughs> some woman wrote me a thing and she said, I just got stripped of $200. They slicked me because they said you were the one selling the marijuana oil and like an idiot. I, I bought some. <clears throat> shucked out $200 and I, I got no and now she I, wants $200 from you I got no kind of oil and I said well there ought to be a law against that for people saying I'm selling marijuana oil here's yeah. here's I a news flash I think there is a law maybe against. here's a news flash to all you listeners don't buy <laughs> marijuana oil and think I'm trying to sell you some I don't have anything to do with marijuana oil or whatever it's or not the me they're lying to you I don't yeah. sell marijuana oil <laughs> yeah but they keep saying they get slick. Dad, I had a guy come up to me in Michigan, and he was like, uh, I got a question about your dad and the CBD oil. And before he could say anything, I said, hoax. And he went, what? I said, it's hoax. A hoax. He said, I guess you answered my yeah. question. It's but a hoax. Know it's the whole internet theme hoax. of this, what we're talking about today, <laughs> is people will read the Bible and say, oh, the story's too incredible. They'll go to the internet on a chat board and see an ad pop up and yeah. think that's 100% absolute truth. Put it in stone. Yeah. Oh, well, what's wrong with this? <laughs> that's right. I, I will never crazy. sell marijuana oil or any other kind of oil, so don't buy it. <laughs> They're lying to you. Speaking of oil, I got three questions for you, Dad, about the truck. Just because I want our audience to understand this truck of yours. You've had it six years. How many times have you changed the oil? How many times have you cleaned it out, and how many times have you washed it in six years? I would not. I would not answer that those three questions uh, because uh, it may incriminate me. Uh, so I, I bleeding the Fifth Amendment on on car bleeding the Fifth on car yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the last I, thing I, I thought you would say. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> I changed the oil. I mean, I've just watched I was this not truck. surprised I can't even get when in it, it didn't crank. I said, well, you know, this thing has never failed me. I said, don't fail me now. But I checked it. I said, I don't think this thing getting any fuel. I called Red. He's a pseudo, pseudo mechanic. Red, I tried to crank this thing. I said, it won't crank. It turns over fine, but not it won't crank. He said, probably fuel pump. He said, that's the way it works. You pull See, up. I'd have said, does it have gas? That guy told Dan this morning, he said, I've never seen a fuel pump that was that worn out. I can't believe he that thing was still moving. <laughs> but it's been good well, to me. Well, I, I realize where I what? got my mechanical skills from, or lack thereof. 
<laughs> exactly. Which is why we need people in our lives, right? Yeah. So, so back to our text, um, you know, when Paul basically either resurrects or comes back, he goes back to Antioch, which is where he's kind of been established there. And it was interesting before we move into 15 that he did something I thought we should have mentioned on here because he appointed elders, he and Barnabas did, in Antioch, which is kind of one of the first churches. Remember, it was up in the north, up in Syria. Now, how would I remember that, Al? I don't. I mean, remember it's in the north. How would I know that? Well, because Syria is north of Israel. I thought oh. you knew that. Did you not? Were you not listening I've during been Old there, Testament geography? But I was lost the entire time as far as direction. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't sure where I was at. I I, I knew one thing: stay inside the wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never been there, but yeah. I have studied the geography of it. Yeah, but it was interesting that he kind of structured the church to have some leadership for when he left, and I think that's kind of what happens as he goes forward. I mean, he realizes that this is long term, so you're going to have to have some wisdom uh, in these cities to be able to deal with all the stuff that happens. Because in the next chapter, in 15, we get back into the circumcision debate again, and we've already been talking about it all the way back uh, to chapter 12. But I'll tell you this, um, Al. You know, with Peter, when yeah, he, he preaches the first sermon. He wrote a whole book to Galatia because of this issue that came up. But I right. think right. I think the reason you have elders, which is a good point, is because there's always an issue. Even in a <clears throat> modern-day right. America, some group of people, they're always trying to add something to the simple message of Jesus as a, as a prerequisite that is to how we're going to function. That is correct. I mean, you just, I mean, circumcision, right. we, the people look at that and say, can you believe that? That people would say that you have to have Jesus and you have to have this procedure done on a mail before you're in or you're out. And Peter, I can't believe that. And then you'll go right down the road and people say, now here's what we do here. And it's something to me just as ridiculous, whatever yep. the rule is about our code of conduct or even dress code, if it's not modesty related. But I mean, there's, we always like these little inclusionary things to be branded as our group. And to me, you're, you're adding to who Jesus is. And hey, Jace, let's take a break. Uh, the two girls that showed up Sunday morning, they said, we think we're in the wrong church. We're looking for the preacher here, but we... Yeah, you told us this. Well, I know. And I just said, well, he'll be around here directly. And so, I still haven't figured out why you did that, but... Well, because, Why didn't you just say, I'm the preacher? Because I knew they were looking around and they figured that if you go within a group, you you could see in their mind the big dog, the preacher, that they were, yeah. looking, they were looking for him. I just said, I said, well, he'll I be, hate he'll to be, be honest with uh -uh. you, Phil, but here's what I think. I think they thought, let's ask this homeless guy who the preacher is. That's exactly what they did. <laughs> and you just didn't want to <laughs> I played along with it. They said, who are you? And I said, I'm Jim Smith. And they yeah. said, Jim, Jim good Smith. to meet you. I said, well, good to see you, girl. No, we, we, I said, well, you may be in the right church. <clears throat> but anyway, we converted both of them. So I thought, you know what? It, it's I, I like the, the you, you couldn't tell is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think it's I a, think noble, a, lesson it's in a that. noble quality. But I think it's more in this context, you should be going out. But they did 
say, okay, in these, there's a central location, but when all the letters from Romans on, you see all the problems that occurred and came up. Because my whole, my, I have one thought about First and Second Corinthians that I've said many times when I've taught that book in, in classes. Where were the elders? Because that place, if you think your church has problems, that place was off the charts with problems. And I'm like, where the elders yeah. are never mentioned. So I maybe they were young and the we faith. probably hadn't appointed yeah, them yet. Maybe, yeah, probably probably hadn't appointed them yet at that point. He was still kind of trying to, you know, give them letters and stuff. People have made whole doctrines out of what they read in First and Second Corinthians. Yep. And I'm like, you got to realize the situation here, and and look at the backdrop. They were young. We know they were a young church because. The, everybody's a young church back here because Jesus just died and was buried and resurrected. They also had the power of all these miracles and all these crazy stories that we're reading. Well, these people were standing around there and they they wanted to have these fantastical acts and God gave some of the people that the apostles laid their hands on the ability to do these powers. Well, they just couldn't handle it. Yep. And so all of a sudden, <clears throat> it got way away from sharing Jesus to your neighbor and having integrity in your life. And that's why he eventually gets to 15 in 1 Corinthians and reminds them of the gospel. That, plus on top of that, they were trying to get human beings. I wonder if they run into that same problem <clears throat> 2,000 years later. Love is patient love is kind it does not envy love does not boast love is not proud <clears throat> just think Wait. of the human race love is I'm not rude the mic back. love is not self-seeking it's not easily angered love keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth Love always protects, love always trusts, love always hopes, love always perseveres. The Apostle Paul and them are going across the country where there is no Jesus, and they're running into the human race, and they're thinking, man, <clears throat> that's why 2,000 years later when we say we're trying to get them to love God and love each other. It's a chore, Al. It is. And, and you know, something I, I found fascinating, <clears throat> Jace brought this up about circumcision. You know, Paul, who has been circumcised because he was a Jew, um, you know, he's not against circumcision. It's The context is it's, you know, that you have to be circumcised to be a Christian, which is the, the false part of that. What's interesting is we know, and that's why it's very important when you're studying the Bible, that you understand the context of everything you're reading. Plus, and you know why was it written? Plus, uh, circumcision is not going to help you when it comes to being patient and we love joy, rejoices with the truth, love always. And uh, half the population can't even do it. I know it. Right. So, I mean, well, here's something for you to chew on. You may not have thought about it. when we get to Acts 16. I'll jump ahead just a bit. When you know Timothy pops up. And Timothy had a Greek father and a Jewish mother and grandmother. Now, we know that Timothy is one of Paul's early protégés. You know, you got first and second Timothy. You know, he, he was one of the early church leaders. 
But in verse 3 of 16, I find this fascinating to show you that contextually, maybe sometimes it's not a bad thing. Verse 3, Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. He's just met this family. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So I find that fascinating that Paul, who basically is the biggest proponent of you don't have to have circumcision of the gospel, he circumcises Timothy because he feels like it'll help their ministry. So, you know, it shows you that he's not just down on one thing. It's easy for us to just throw everything out. What he said was, in this case, I want Timothy because they knew he had a Greek father to be able to speak to a Jewish audience. So I found that fascinating about the context that Paul was saying in one chapter Look, don't trust in this, but the other chapter, he actually practices it, you know, to help Timothy be more. Exactly. Healthy. But my point is, it's like, I mean, you pick anything, you, you know, tattoos. You know, I've, I've seen spiritual, seemingly Jesus loving people say, well, you can't have a tattoo. I'm like, what? I mean, you know what I mean? It, it, it's like, you're yep. really going down this road. It, it's, it's Jesus. And the lack of a tattoo, because it, the his point in this whole sermon when he says, I, I like this this phrase he uses in fifteen eight when he said, God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us, because they were they were struggling with the Jew versus Gentile situation. They had the Holy Spirit. But then they're like, oh, yeah, but there's something physical that's not that's right. right, which is why, I mean, t- yeah. tattoos popped into my head because it, which is a long way from circum- circumcision. I guess I thought pain is involved in receiving both, yep. possibly. Yep. And, but he goes down in verse 11 and he says, We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. I mean, to me, that's the bumper sticker moment of their of their movement, which is this being in Jesus, which is very hard for people to get what I'm fixing to say in their heads. But I'm using it on that statement is 100 percent grace based. And it was his story, not mine. Jesus is the innocent sacrifice. We don't deserve it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's no good thing you can add or lack thereof that's going to save you outside of the grace of Jesus. But people just, I don't know, Al, they they have a hard time digesting that because you have the stories, you have uh, the examples, you have a whole letter written to a whole group of people saying, don't add anything to Jesus and the gospel. In fact, he says, if you do, you'll be eternally cut off. That's Galatians one six. Condemned. It, it can't be any, anathema. It cannot be any more. He he cannot say it any more clear. And look, then he says, and so I say again. He repeats himself in Galatians one six. <laughs> yeah. Jace, let's take one one last break. And to to your point in in chapter fifteen verse nineteen, James the brother of Jesus is, is the basically the one of the elders at the church of Jerusalem, but he's also the guy everybody looks to. I mean, he's solid, he's stable. Obviously he's Jesus' brother. He wrote the book of James, which is a great book. He said something really interesting in verse 19. He says, it is my judgment 
This is him as an elder, as an early church leader. Therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So he's, what he's saying is we don't want to make this hard. I mean, we want to make this easy. Like you that's said, right. Dad, love each other. I mean, that's, that's right. we, we want to make this easy. <clears throat> but then he says, instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, meat strangling. He mentions all the different Jewish, I mean, a Gentile lifestyle issues that they were having coming out of that pagan world. So I did find it interesting that that's what, the way we should approach each other. It should be we want to make it easy for people to find Jesus. And then we want to tell them, look, this lifestyle, this stuff you got going on, this is not good. It's not healthy. It's not what Jesus wants for your life. Yeah. So they had some things to teach them, but they had to get out of their Jewishness to do and it. And I think, I think I too, at. looking at it from the other side in these stories, we haven't mentioned this yet, but you know, when this missionary journey started, Mark, who has a book in the Bible, he didn't he yep. didn't stay with them. He's like and, and right. you know, when you do a study yeah. on Mark, you'll conclude that in the end they all patch things up. And maybe he was a little young and immature at the time. Yep. I mean who I'm reading yep. between the lines there. But for whatever reason, well here in, in Acts fifteen, which they're on the same team, Paul and Barnabas have such a sharp disagreement which says it at the end of chapter 15 that they part company and, and you That's see right. the introduction of elders here. And my point is we're, we're going to get this wrong. And so I'm, you would think people would not miss the grace of God, but guess what? It's, it's going to happen. And some people maybe because they're young in the faith, but sometimes you just can't agree on, you know, maybe things about where we're going to go share Jesus or build this water well for, you know, in, in Africa to help kids or whatever the issue is, you have disagreements, you get things wrong, but they, what I like about what God did through these people is you see that they didn't burn the bridge with, with each other. They, they found ways to reconnect and do other things and have roles and put, sharing Jesus as the overall mission, no matter what happens, even if it's bumpy for a few days, weeks, or months, we're going to come back together for I, the cause. I hope the religious people across the United States and the world through this, we're just speaking to these matters, will at least agree to all come together on Jesus, him crucified, raised from the dead. I'll just, just stand well, you know, on I'm, that. I'm glad... I'm glad you brought up Mark, uh, John Mark, as he's called in the text there, Jace, because there was a couple of interesting things about him. One is he was a cousin of Barnabas. So it's not really surprising that then when Paul gets into it about Mark, Barnabas, who's his cousin, you know, takes up for him. And uh, I thought about that line in open range at the end of it after Robert Duvall killed the bad guy. He said, if somebody needs to write a letter to his daughter and tell him what happened here. And they say, well, I don't think they have a relationship. He said, yeah, but people are funny. Ken are funny yep. when stuff like yeah, this happens. Yeah. And I thought about that with this situation because, you know, they're kin. And so they split up. But you're right, Jay's. And the other thing about John Mark, he was also Peter's protege. Uh, basically his writing of the gospel was sort of Peter's account because he was his right-hand man. But, you know, it's interesting that Paul and Peter would struggle throughout their early years together mm -hmm. because, you know, Paul felt like Peter was showing favoritism and he wasn't really being fair to, to Gentiles, even though he was the one that ushered him in. We're still, so I, I think, we're still only human, Al. But you got to remember, too, that's Al, right. like I married, I mean, you asked me about Missy earlier, and look, we have 
I, I've said this many times. It's true. I mean, we all we have in common is Jesus. That's enough. But when we first got married, she was not raised in a family where you disagree and argue. You just nobody. You don't. You don't welcome these confrontations. I like disagreeing and I like arguing, and I like doing it with people I love and I know are strong enough to where their opinion matters to me. I mean, people I don't care about, I'm not going to argue with them because I don't care. So, I mean, that was before I matured in that area. I mean, when I'm sharing Jesus with people, I'm trying not to argue or disagree. But my point is, well, I kept telling Missy that. Well, through the years, she's like, okay. if I, Well, <laughs> so now we, we have public <laughs> arguments, you know, and people get a kick out of watching us because <laughs> we... <laughs> Yeah, we yeah we saw it on the podcast. I do it yeah, all the time. It. But what I'm telling you is, <laughs> I I learn a lot in those conversations. I mean, we I don't know if I shared this when she was writing her blog for uh, Passover week. We we got into an argument about something that really wasn't that big a deal, and we literally talked, discussed, and argued all night. <laughs> And, and, but it was all good, and it was all Jesus-related, and it was done in love, but it was passionate. But I learned more from that argument than I had learned. I could learn it going to some class because she was giving me a different opinion and that I had really never thought about and I didn't agree with. And after, I'm not sure we really ever came to a complete agreement, but I noticed when she wrote her wrote her blog she leaned toward my position <laughs> not that i think she <laughs> she just didn't bring hers up because i think she thought that it would be too uh too many people would think like i do and, and it really what people are probably gonna say well what was it about what was it about but it was basically about who was in the crowd you know hollering for barabbas to be released when remember when Pilate said which one of you and and she was like it was yeah. all a trap and i agreed it was all a trap and it all was a coup but i was making the point because of peter's denial that any jews around would have found it very difficult to take up for him for jesus in that moment once he's basically not handcuffed but bound and fixed to die because i said look everybody likes a hero and everybody likes a movement until somebody's arrested and then all of a sudden we're like well wait a minute here because there's there's fear so anyway that was the gist of the argument but i i'm just making the point that i think it's healthy that if you keep the big picture at the forefront it's 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 no it's not something we should shy away from being passionate about what we believe and what we teach and having these arguments and, but you don't burn the bridges. Love is patient. Yeah. That's exactly right. And unfortunately we've seen enough this last year, we've seen enough to your point, we've seen enough mobs to know you're exactly right. In the moment of the mob, man, it's hard to swim upstream and do the right thing. You know, and if your disagreement the, reaches a certain level, well, that's when you need to go talk to the elders. Yeah. <laughs> Which is always humbling. Hey, I've been in on a few of those, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and full disclosure, Dad and I are elders at our church, and basically it's a servant position because we're just trying to help people. Uh, but it is important to have leadership. So next time we come back, we pick up in the story, we'll actually be shifting over to the what they call the second missionary journey 
and it begins with Timothy sort of being added to the team. And uh, so we'll go from there. A lot of good stuff. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.